Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are so excited to get today started because we have been in the series, It's a Big Deal, where we've been talking about issues and topics that we believe are vital to the goal of having a healthy thriving family, a healthy, thriving home, the goal of raising up strong, independent, competent children. So we talked about the importance of, the significance of, the value of laughter in the home, and we talked about the value of order in the home, and we call that part of the parenting pendulum, because most of us are drawn one way or the other. You drift toward laughter and play or order and routine, but we know know, studies show that our children need both. And the healthy home, we are looking for this, but odds are you're going to move in seasons and you're going to find this when it comes to laughter and play and order in our home. Now today we're taking a different path. We're going to look at the value of forgiveness because we talk a lot about emotional health, emotional strength, emotional resilience. And we know from research and studies that forgiveness, understanding it, putting it into practice is vital to our emotional health, to our social health, our relational health, our spiritual health. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about not only how to teach it to our children, but making sure that we understand it ourselves. Because we know that to be able to teach it to our children, we have to understand it ourselves. And we have to put it into practice because forgiveness is often more caught than taught, the concept of it. So we want to model it as well as teach it to our children. So we're going to go ahead and get this party started. Let's welcome in our online moms. Online mom. Whether you are watching on video or you are listening on podcast, we are super thrilled that technology allows us to connect to you today. And we believe that moms, when we rally together, we can offer support. We are focusing on connection instead of comparison. And our prayer is that you feel us cheering for you, rooting for you, believing in you, because you can do this. So let's pray and get started. God, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your model of forgiveness. I thank you for Jesus, that he speaks specifically and often about how we are to forgive. God, I ask right now that you settle our hearts, that you open our eyes, our ears, that you help us to see and hear what you want us to learn today so that we can be the moms you've created us to be, so that we can raise up these children to discover who you created them to be. Give us strength, give us courage, give us wisdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, um, my son Joseph, who is, oh my word, 21, Um, I had him when I was 13. Um, So he is 21 now. He was a late talker, um, as in like not a word, until he was three. So much so that the pediatrician thought I was lying. Um, Why would I lie about that? But um, so then when he did start to talk, he had his own language. And Emily and I could understand him. And typically Matt could understand him too. So um, F's were P's and G's were D's and C's were T's. You just kind of had to learn his language. Language. So one day, um, obviously, if he was speaking in complete sentences, odds are he was about four. We 
were in the bottom of our driveway. Our driveway was a slope, and the kids used to play in the bottom of the driveway. Um, we had a basketball goal, and they would ride bikes and scooters in the bottom of the driveway. And so he was playing, and he fell, and he skinned his knee pretty bad, and he started crying. And I said, oh, Joe, buddy, I'm so sorry. He stood up, and he wiped his tears. He said, I do not pedib you. <laughs> I said, What? He he was saying, I do not forgive you. And I'm like, Joe, buddy, I didn't knock you down. I wasn't saying I'm so sorry because I did that to you. I was just saying I'm sorry that you are hurt. You see, Joe's concept of apology and forgiveness, he was just now grasping what it meant. We were learning how to say when you've hurt someone, I'm sorry. We were learning how to say back, I forgive you. So he, of course, naturally, when I said I am sorry, thought that I had pushed him down. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Parenting 101. But I do not pedib you. Since then, Joseph has learned a lot more about forgiveness, as have I. I've um, studied and learned the value of forgiveness. And not only that, but the detriment of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of resentment. There are literal physical consequences to harboring resentment instead of forgiving and letting go. Um, Health hazards of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment increase stress hormones, cortisol, dopamine, and adrenaline, increase muscle tension, increase blood pressure, increase risk of depression, heart disease, and cancer, impaired neurological function, memory, suppressed immune system. Why is this? Fred Luskin, a PhD health psychologist from Stanford, says, because not forgiving, nursing a grudge is caustic. It is literally poison to your body, to your soul, to your mind, not forgiving and hanging on. Um, Dr. Robbie Sonderegger, a a clinical psychologist, he says that we actually, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, then we will, our nature will drive us to nurse, curse, and rehearse over and over and over again. Think about it. If someone has hurt you, odds are you've shared that story with someone. And now what you're doing is you're nursing, rehearsing, and cursing it. And then someone else comes in and you share that story with them. You're nursing it. You're adding fuel to the fire. And it's affecting you physically. And studies show, though, the opposite can be true. People who do forgive, who have, you know, said in studies, I'm actually quick to forgive. Studies show that they're, um, in addition to less stress, there are fewer general health problems and lower instances of the most serious illnesses, including depression, heart disease, stroke, and cancer, which, listen, that doesn't mean that if you have cancer or you can, if you just forgive everyone, that means you will never get sick. That's not what we're saying. We're saying, though, that there are physical manifestations of emotional hurts. And so what we want to do is to teach our children early in life how to forgive and how to let go instead of hanging on to the offense. If someone has offended you, we're going to talk about how you have the choice to hang on or to let go. Many times easier said than done. But research does suggest that even in the worst of offenses, even in crimes, in horrible offenses, that you can choose and learn to let go. I don't understand it. I believe it's a supernatural thing because we're going to talk a little bit about how our mind tends to hang on to the negative and how we are wired that way. And just like anything else, 
We don't want to add to your to-do list. As we go through this list of how to do this today, we just want to help you be aware and then intentional in what you're already doing. You see, if you have a toddler, if you have a preschooler, then you're already working on social skills. You're already working on helping them interact with others. Odds are, if you have a preschooler elementary child, you've already taught them how to say, I'm sorry, or you should have. I'm sorry, and I forgive you. If you have a baby even, you are modeling for that baby already. If you have a teenager, then you have certainly had the opportunity to. You see, we're already teaching them. But what we want to do today is say, how can I be more intentional in that teaching? Because we know that it is important. We know that our children will be healthier, that they will be more emotionally resilient if we teach them about forgiveness. Now that I know it, I have the responsibility to do something about it. We're going to cover a couple of things before we even get to forgiveness. Because before a child is ready to understand forgiveness, they have to understand feelings. Even the youngest of children understand, I'm sad. That's our job, to teach them emotional vocabulary. I'm sad. I'm hurt, I'm angry. We're teaching them those emotions so that they understand how to identify, how to process, and then express in a healthy way those emotions and then eventually overcome. And so that's the first thing we have to understand. So when we talk about emotions, and as much as I like to just put this in the camp of what we teach our children, um, this has changed my life. Because I am a person who likes to be happy all the time. Um, and so I tend to ignore my emotions or gloss over my emotions. I want everybody else in the room to be happy too. And so I'm like, oh, that's nature sad. Sorry, why don't you get something to eat and we'll all feel good together. Um, and so what, this has changed my life, understanding this. I first studied it and wrote it to help my children. But then I realized how much it could help me. So the first thing we do when we're talking about feelings, we're talking about anger and we talk about hurt, is validate the emotion or feeling. It's so important that we stop and validate. When Emily would pitch a fit, odds are I had no idea what was going on. But I realized early on that it was important that I say, I can see you're upset. I validated that. Now, what I really did in the beginning before I understood this, what I would say, oh, don't you be upset about that. Oh, don't, you cannot let that make you mad. Or well, calm down, which is the opposite of helpful. She was already feeling it. And what we want is that safe home where, ah, I'm home, I'm safe, I like it here. So what we need to teach is that any emotion is okay to feel. So I validate that emotion, which means I have to validate my own emotions too. I have to be self-aware. I have to understand, oh, I'm upset. Remember when Dr. Nicole talked about your hurt, your sadness, whatever. Sometimes it comes out as anger. So I have to stop and validate. So validate the emotion or feeling. Separate the emotion from the action, the feeling from the behavior. A child may pitch a fit. An adult may pitch a fit. Stop and validate. I see you're upset. But now you have a choice. You can choose how you respond to that feeling. You can choose how, to you, how you process and express that feeling. So you separate those two. That you, any emotion is okay to feel, but how you express it matters. And so you validate, separate, and finally educate. 
educate the appropriate response. Educate on what is appropriate, the right action, the right behavior. I have to do that for myself as well. Anybody in here married? Uh-huh. You ever you need to learn any more about how to express in the appropriate response to feeling anger, feeling hurt, feeling sad? This is not just for children. This is for us as well. I had to learn the appropriate way to express when I was married, the appropriate way to respond to hurt or to anger or to sadness or to frustration. Had to validate, had to separate, had to educate. So before you even get to forgiveness, you got to understand feelings and emotions and how they play in you, how you feel things differently from how your children feel things, and you give your children to permission to feel as they feel, but then how you respond matters. Give your husband permission to feel differently than you do. See, I want everybody to feel the same way I do. If I'm mad, I need everybody else to understand why I'm mad, and I need you to walk alongside me. Let's be mad together, you know, which is actually the opposite of helpful. And so I want my husband to be mad too. Well, I need to give him, you know, he gives me permission to be upset. I give him permission sometimes not to be upset uh, or to be upset about things that I'm not upset about. We have to give that permission. Um, We have to understand feelings. The next thing before you ever get to forgiveness, you have to understand responsibility. You have to take responsibility. Apologize if you're the offender. Apologize if you're the offender. And forgive if you're the offended. So it goes both ways. But this may be the hardest part, is taking responsibility. Even, like, let's say there was a big blow-up, and I'm only responsible for this much of it in my mind. I have to take responsibility for this. I have to take responsibility for this much. And then I say, I'm sorry for this much. No, I'm sorry that I added to this. I'm sorry. Here is not an apology. I'm sorry it looks like you misunderstood me and you're hurt and I'm sorry that you're hurt. See, I'm not apologizing for my actions. I'm apologizing for you and your feelings, you know. And so that is the opposite. So I have to take full responsibility. I have to apologize if you're the offender. Forgive if you're the offended. Now, we're going to move on to forgiveness. What it is and what it is not. Because it is important, as, as important as it is to understand what it is, it's just as important to understand what it is not. So forgiveness is the decision or choice to abandon anger, bitterness, and resentment. It is the decision or the choice to let go of the anger, to abandon the anger, the bitterness, and resentment. So that is my choice. If I let go of that, I'm not saying it never happened. So what it is not, it is not forgetting because people say forgive and forget, and that's ideal, but that is not how we are wired, and I'll explain that in just a minute. I love what Charlotte, this weird name, her last name, I want to give her credit, but I don't know how to say it. Um, Charlotte, if you're listening, I feel you. Um, Associate Professor of Psychology at Hope College, she says, forgiveness does not involve a literal forgetting. It, not always. Forgiveness involves remembering graciously. The forgiver remembers the true, though painful, parts, but without the embellishment of angry adjectives and adverbs that stir up contempt. Isn't that a great description? She said, it's okay for you to remember. Don't be thinking, oh, I haven't forgiven because I still remember it. She said, that's not. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, forgetting. It does mean, though, that you have to change how you remember it. 
Does it still make your blood boil? If so, you need to revisit the forgiveness. Does it still make you want to throw things? You know, things like that. You remember graciously without the... um, the anger and the uh, contempt. Okay, so it is not forgetting. It is not excusing. If you forgive someone, that doesn't mean you're saying what you did is okay. So you can forgive and still acknowledge that what was done was wrong. And so a lot of us, I cannot forgive, you know, that uh, Dixie Chick song, I'm not ready to make nice. I'm, you know, stomping my foot. We used to sing that in the car really loud. Um, you know, it's so fun to be angry. And because it is fun to sing and scream and be excited about, yeah, in your face, you know. Um, but and remember, though, that was increasing my cortisol and my dopamine and all that. Ooh, who knows how much weight I gained during that stage. But it's not excusing. You're not saying it was okay. It's not denying. It's not denying. You'll have people in your life that go, I don't know how you're going to forgive that. You're never going to forgive that. Yes, you can. It's supernatural. You don't have to explain it. It's not necessarily reconciling. The Bible says, Jesus says, be as gentle as a dove, but be as shrewd as a serpent. It doesn't mean you are now best friends again. It doesn't mean that now you're going to rehire that person to work for you again. It doesn't mean that the relationship is going to go back to the way it was before. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to reconcile. Well, I thought you were going to forgive me. I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. I'm just wise. And that's okay. Now, you can rebuild trust. You can rebuild trust. When it comes to this, reconciling, let's say it's in marriage and there's been a deep wound. The Gottmans, uh, we talk about them a lot when we talk about marriage. You can rebuild trust. The number one thing you have to remember, if you're going to rebuild trust, if there's been a betrayal, that number one, you have to believe that people can change. And, and if I believe that someone else has made a terrible mistake, I've got to believe that I'm capable of making a terrible mistake, and I would want them to believe that I could change too. And then how do you rebuild trust? Brene Brown and the Gottman say one interaction at a time. So a huge betrayal, a huge hurt. Yes, there is hope. Um, there is a supernatural intervention there. There is supernatural forgiveness. You can reconcile in those relationships. A parent-child, a... Um, sibling, a a marriage. So you can reconcile, but it doesn't always mean reconciliation. And then it doesn't mean tolerating. It doesn't mean that you're just going to allow that behavior to continue if you um, are forgiving. So I think it's important that we understand forgiveness if we're going to model forgiveness for our children. Um, uh, Let's see, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all, everybody say all, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. See, this is just the description of the nurse rehearsing curse. You know, just every time you tell the story, you get angrier and angrier. As well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, this is what I love about this part of the Bible, about what Paul is writing. He says, get rid of this, but instead replace it with this. So he doesn't just tell you to get rid of it. He says, now do this instead. Instead... Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Here's the deal. You are forgiven. You have sinned. All of us have sinned. So I need Jesus to forgive me. I need God to forgive me. Now I have the opportunity to forgive someone else. So I'm not above making mistakes. My children aren't above making mistakes. My husband isn't above making mistakes. I choose to replace that bitterness with forgiveness. Um, 
Elsewhere, Jesus says, I believe it's in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those. Those who you're thinking right now who have created this space in your heart where the blood boils, are you praying for them? Are you teaching your kids to pray for them? For the people that are being mean to them at school, we can pray for them. We can model that. Again, it's replacing the bitterness with something positive. Um, Since we have established now that it's a choice, that forgiveness is a choice to hang on or to let go, I want to, before we go on, I think it's important, like for me, if I can visualize something, the truth of the matter is it doesn't really matter the size or the magnitude of the offense. Whether you are holding on to a marble, maybe a little offense, somebody hurt your feelings, or you're holding on to a cannonball, a huge offense, um, a betrayal, a significant betrayal by someone that you love. Either way, if I hold on to that, I'm not ready to receive what's next for me. So you have to physically let go. Remember, it affects you physically. So if you can imagine that, is there anything I'm hanging on to? All that's doing is keeping me from what's next. God has more to give and I choose whether or not to hang on or to let go. Forgiveness doesn't always mean you have to even go back to the person and say, hey, you may not have realized it, but you were totally mean to me in high school and um, I've been carrying it, so I just wanted you to know I forgive you. (laughs) You know, that's not necessary, okay? So forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. It doesn't always require or, you know, necessitate an interaction with the offender. But since it is a choice, and since I understand that if I hang on to that, not only am I not able to receive what God has given me next, but I know from studies that it is increasing danger physically in my life, socially in my life, relationally, spiritually. Now, I have to choose. If you consider it like this, I have a choice. Your kids have a choice. If you've been offended... Forgiveness, letting it go, enables you to move from victim to victor, from bitter to better, from resentment to redemption. That's our choice. I can stay here, you hurt me, I stay in victim, or I let it go and I move to victor. I stay here and I stay bitter, or I move on and I get better. I stay here and I am resentful, and I'm all about resentment, or I move on and I allow God to redeem it. Redemption is supernatural. Redemption requires that we understand Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28, i got to find it. Here it is right here. And we know that in all things, everybody say all, Say it like you mean it, all. It's significant. Say all. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is supernatural. I can listen to your story. I can have compassion for you. I can't redeem it. Only God, only God can take something so horrible, a hurt, a tragedy, an offense, and turn it into something good it's a supernatural thing i can't explain it but that is what real forgiveness requires it requires that we understand redemption and so we don't want to be filled with resentment we want to choose to let go and to live in redemption and somehow we trust that god is going to use it for good now listen carefully let's say your child has been offended hey Ain't no hurt like mama hurt. 
Okay, so mama bear comes out. Now I get to show my child. I can feed that anger and resentment in my child. And I can say, I'm not surprised one bit she acted like that. She's just like her mother. You know, I can, I can egg it on. I can say, I can talk to the other moms about it. Mama drama. Oh, it is huge. Or I can model forgiveness. I can say, validate. I'm not going to say it didn't hurt. I can validate. And I can say, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. I can see you're upset about it. I, I am so sorry. Validate. Now empower the child. Empower with the gift of forgiveness. When you teach a child about forgiveness, you're actually giving them hope and control. When you stay here as victim, now all I'm feeling is helpless and hopeless. I'm stuck here. They did this to me. I don't want to go to school tomorrow. It can't be better. And now, though, we want to give our kids the opportunity to extend forgiveness and to say, you know what? I now have hope and control. I can forgive. I can take responsibility. And guess what? That kid may do the same thing to me today, but I choose how I respond. I choose how I walk into the cafeteria. As a matter of fact... Emily tells this story all the time. She said in her group of um, seventh grade girls, I guess it was either seventh or eighth grade, she said, you know, they were icing me out. I finally realized it when only half my cheek was on the bench or the cafeteria table. You know, they slowly moved her to the edge. And I said, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that hurts. You have a choice of what table you're going to sit at. You get to choose. So was it hard? Yes. Was it hurtful? Yes. But then she was like, oh, that's right. I don't have to go back to that table. I can choose. I'm empowered to sit at another table. And so when we teach our children about forgiveness and about taking responsibility, you can't control others, but you certainly can control how you approach and respond to others. I can't control the situation, but I certainly can control how I approach and respond to that situation. And it gives my kids hope and control. As a matter of fact, it gives me hope and control when I realize that, when I realize that I can choose how I approach and how I respond to a situation. One of the um, quotes I had about forgiveness, I'm going to find it. I loved it so much because he said, we, oh, here it is. Dr. Fred Luskin, Ph.D., this is huge, from Stanford, which makes him totally smart, so it's got to be right, you know. Um, the essence of forgiveness is accepting that something happened, so you're validating, accepting that something happened in opposition to your wishes, and you can't change it. Oh, don't we replay and go, I, don't, I wish it never happened? Well, it did. Well, it did, and now what am I going to do about it? I hate that it happened, but it did, and now what am I going to do about it? And that is hard. It's accepting that something happened in opposition to your wishes, and you can't change it. And that is killer for me, because I like to fix everything. I like for everybody to be happy all the time. Something happened in opposition to my wishes. I accept it. Now I'm ready to move on. You see, it's that validating that emotion. And now learning how to identify, process, express, and overcome that emotion. Um, And how to approach and respond to. If you haven't um, heard of the movie Wonder yet, I'm going to go ahead and suggest that everybody watch it. Because truly, 
Um, it's the most awesome movie ever. And um, I mean, come on, Owen Wilson is the dad. And Julia Roberts is the mom. It's exceptional. If you have elementary kids, if you have middle school, if you have kids who are old enough to know what it feels like to be um, either on the outside watching someone be bullied or on the inside being bullied, it is exceptional. It is released um, very soon. If it hasn't been already, I know we have a private screening. I think it's already full. I'm not sure, but on Thursday, um, it's just incredible talking about taking responsibility. It's just unbelievable um, about bullying and all that, which we talk a lot about um, forgiving bullies. I I am going to have a different approach about bullies. Um, I, I am all for getting rid of bullies. I am all for getting rid of bullies. Hear me. I am all for it. But I'm going to tell you this. Bullies have been around since the Old Testament. So you will not get rid of bullies. There are bullies on the playground. There are bullies in the boardroom. There, if you have ever been in a bunco group, if you have ever been, um, it, there is a bully on every committee. There is a bully on every team. You will never get rid of bullies. What we can do is empower our children not to be victims. We can tell them how to handle it. We can teach them to speak up. We can teach them to do what's right. We can teach them to walk away and sit at another table. We can teach them when it's appropriate to tell an adult. We can teach them to stand up for others. We can't get rid of bullies, but by golly, we can get rid of victims. We can teach our children emotional resilience. That's what forgiveness does. You see, it's not just emotional strength. A tree is strong, and maybe the wind blows and it breaks. But emotional resilience, with and it's still strength, but I think if we use the word resilience, means that our kids are going to know how to take hits, and then it's going to be hard, but then they stand back up. That's what we want. We want emotionally resilient kids. Okay, so got to run through these super fast. Each stage of life, how to teach our kids about forgiveness. If you have an infant, it's time to examine yourself because you're already teaching, you're modeling with your behavior. It's a great opportunity to say, am I tense? Am I, because you can tell when you're holding that baby. You know, am I like this all the time? Do I have any resentment or bitterness that I need to let go of? Um, and you're modeling for them. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I forgive you. You know, kissy, kissy. Um, and then toddler, that's when you begin to call for the language, I'm sorry. Listen carefully. I'm sorry. Not sorry. See, that's different. I'm sorry and I forgive you. Add as they can say those words. But it is a complete sentence combined with eye contact. It is stop, look, and apologize. It is not sorry as I'm walking off. It is stop. Look and apologize, and it is for real. Explain the feelings of the person who offended. Um, You hurt Zeke when you ran into him. Hadley is sad. You see, you're teaching consequences of their behaviors. You're you're teaching them, hello, this is our next shirt. Your actions affect others. Uh, Don't you want, I I know you want to wear that too. Your actions affect others. I do. I'm having a shirt printed. Um, Hadley is sad because you took the toy out of her hand. You begin to teach that concept of your actions affect others. Um, Explain the offense. I know she hurt your feelings, um, you know, but she loves you. He's sorry for taking the car out of your hand. You've got to teach them that process. Um, Remember, though, I'm going to go all the way back. Emily, you know, responded the same. If you 
changed the channel or removed a limb. Um, and so what we wanted to do was, and I meant like a limb from her body, not a limb from, you know, the tree. Um, but what we want to do is validate the feeling and separate the emotion. I mean, separate the emotion from the behavior. So we validate, oh, I see that you're hurt. Um, now what are we going to do about it? So um, definitely stop, look, and apologize. And it is a complete sentence. Preschooler, you're adding to the language. You are now saying why they're sorry. I'm sorry that I knocked over your tower. I forgive you for knocking over my tower. I know it sounds ridiculous, but we want to teach them full responsibility for the offense. And I want them to say what they are apologizing for. And so I used to say this the same with gratitude um, when I had a Girl Scout troop. And they would say, thank you. I'm like, oh, ruh row, that was a robot. I need you to tell me what you're thankful for. Thank you so much for taking us to the playground. Thank you for, um, you know, whatever. Same with I'm sorry. I'm sorry for a complete sentence. Stop, look, apologize with a complete sentence. School age. Empathy comes into play as they get older. Not excusing, but helping them understand the other person's viewpoint. Some kids intuitively see how the other child is feeling. Other kids have to be taught that. And that's our responsibility. So... When we're teaching, you heard her feelings. One time, this was so, it's so Emily. Um, we were at a, a mother-daughter bunko thing, and she had um, offended one of the little girls. And so I got in the car later, and I said, you know, Emily, tell me what happened. And she told me the other little girl, it was her home, this little girl's home, was giving directions to everyone. And um, so Emily called her bossy. And so I say to Emily, Emily, you know, how would that make you feel if someone called you bossy? She's like, "Mm, fine, because people do it all the time. (laughs) I'm like, okay, we need to work on our empathy. Don't think she's quite getting what I'm, you know, she's not picking up what I'm putting down here. But um, trying to get her to see that maybe not everyone takes that as a compliment and that it is actually offensive, you know. Um, She totally did not see what was wrong with that word at all. She was like, that's right, I am, you know, (laughs) boom. Uh, But anyway, so teaching them um, to see from another person's perspective, even when they are the offended. Go, you know, why do you think he did that? Oh, my gosh, Emily is 23, and she will say, I know, Mom, she's insecure, you know, (laughs) because I said, at the root of anger, at the root of rudeness, at the root, you know, it's always, I know, insecurity, you know, um, because apparently I preach that a lot to her. But trying to get her to see that, that there's usually a reason. Because what it does is it removes, um, removes the personal touch from it. She's not just doing that because she doesn't like you. She's doing that because she doesn't like herself right now. It doesn't make it okay. I'm validating your feeling. I'm not excusing it. But I'm just trying to get her to see from another person's perspective. Um, And then in teenage years, you are really trying, you're really working on those social relationships. And you have to pray for wisdom, discernment, and common sense about when to step in. Because you'll want to manage it with the other parents. And oftentimes the best thing to do is to empower your child to manage it with the other child. Because what we want is strong, independent, competent adult children. And so our responsibility is to gradually let go. Coach them through those, but be very careful um, how much you get involved. Um, because it, uh, you don't want to debilitate them. And you want them to believe that they can do it on their own. Um, I told you that um, I'm running out of time, but I want to tell you real quick about why it is difficult to forget the negative experiences. This is actually fifth, 
physiological. Um, why do we tend to focus on the negative? Um, it's actually because the brain gives more attention to negative experiences than positive experiences. And that's why it's hard to forget sometimes. It's hard to let go of that anger because we are remembering. It's actually because we are created and we have evolved to see, see danger. And to stay away from hurt, to stay away from danger. So yes, it is a physiological thing that we tend to remember the negative. But all that means is we have to retrain our brain. And we have to be intentional about remembering the positive. We have to be intentional. God, help me see when I'm harboring resentment, when you want me to live in redemption. God, help me see when I am hanging on to bitterness instead of getting better. Help me see when I am passing that on to my children. God, I know that I'm a fountain, and I know that my children are drinking my overflow. And bitterness is ugly. And bitterness is just like freckles. You know, they catch it. They pass it. You pass it on to the next generation. And so I have an opportunity here to teach my children forgiveness, to model it for my children, and to let go, to allow God to redeem the hurt and to model that for my children, to empower my children to be able to say, I can't control the actions of others, but I can control how I approach and respond to them. And actually taking responsibility, understanding forgiveness, embracing that responsibility teaches my children hope and control. And that gives them emotional resilience and emotional strength. And that is what our goal is. God is so good and he will use everything. He will use even your mistakes. He will use even your hurts to make not only your life better, but your family's life better as well. It's amazing. It's a miracle. I think it's just amazing. God is so good. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your word and your assurance that you will make good of all things. Our mistakes, our hurts. God, we are so grateful that you have called us into relationship with you. And because of that, you can redeem even the worst. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of motherhood. Settle our hearts, God. Help us be intentional this week to model forgiveness, to empower our children. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.